You stand with me this morning as we read our scripture that Brad will be teaching from this morning. First one is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14 Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. You may be seated. Nick. Hello. Am I on? Hey, there we go. Hi. Good to see you again. It's me, uh, Brad. Uh, before we get started, I'm going to ask uh, Eric to come up and uh, tell us a little bit about where he's been. Everyone know Eric? Usually he stands there behind a guitar. He's here. He might be a little nervous. Don't make it weird. Do my best. Okay. Eric. <laughs> I'm, I'm second guessing having you introduce this little... Same, well. <laughs> hey, uh, welcome everybody. Good morning. Uh, last week, myself, along with uh, Pastor Jack Brace, who's our mission pastor uh, and also leads our Northeast campus, along with Heather Taninga and Scott and Heather Sons, representing uh, Bethany Eastside and Bethany North, had the chance to uh, travel to Honduras and Nicaragua. Uh, Bethany has been in a discernment process for about a year, identifying our next global partner. And so, as a final step in that process, uh, we were uh, going down to understand the work there. Uh, so the, the partner is Agros International, the international organization based locally in Seattle. Their mission is to uh, help uh, alleviate poverty, end poverty, in rural uh, poor families, in, uh, mostly in Latin America, uh, through uh, providing the opportunity to own land, which gives them the opportunity to work the land, create economic uh, uh, prosperity and sustainability, uh, realize God-given potential in their lives, uh, and then also pass the, the resources and the values that enable them to flourish down through their families. And it was just an incredible opportunity uh, to be there. There are uh, a ton of different ways to assess uh, kind of the, we have some pictures that we'll show you too. That's uh, jalapenos. Ooh, spicy. Uh, uh, there's a ton of ways to assess the health, uh, assess the health uh, of an organization, and a, a, a really important way for me is the fruit that it bears, uh, the people, and, uh, the people in Honduras that we met and in Nicaragua have an incredible resiliency, uh, working super, super hard uh, to pay back this land. And so uh, land, every conversation had a component of like, so where are you at in your land repayment? And, Tell us about your crops and how are they doing. You have these families. Uh, there's one family in particu particular. There's a picture of me with, uh, this is Orlando and Vivian. And Orlando and Vivian have coffee crops high up in the mountains that they takes a, a while to travel to each day. And then they spent about a year digging out uh, a pond uh, on their property for tilapia production. And so they travel each day between the tilapia uh, and the coffee, the fish feed about eight times a day, and the coffee needs constant uh, work and, and uh, uh, attention. They lost their, their mother, uh, uh, Orlando's wife and Vivian's mother, about a year ago. 
uh, Vivian left school at the time to, to come back to the village uh, to work it. And uh, she studies on Thursday afternoons. Uh, she's in eighth grade. She's 19 years old. Uh, Orlando uh, has had uh, trouble with drinking over the years, and losing his wife was a bit of a trigger for him. And so they went through a process where Vivian is now responsible for their land, and she's responsible for these land payments. So we asked her as we finished climbing high up into the mountains to their, uh, to their coffee production, uh, and sh she shared a lot of the challenges that they had around it and working with her father. And, and so uh, Scott's son asked her, like, what's, what's your future? What, what dreams do you have for yourself? And she got this great look on her face. It was the look of someone who had counted the cost. Uh, so it wasn't just hopeful. It was based in facts. She knew that this was true, and she said, mi futuro está aquí. So my future is here. Uh, and so we're so, uh, it's incredible to see what God is doing uh, through Agros, and we're really excited as Bethany uh, to take steps to come alongside and join that work. And we hope that many more of you will hear uh, more stories and have the opportunity to participate in strategic visits uh, over time. But just want to say thank you to all of you for supporting uh, God's work both here in Seattle and around the world. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, the things that, that I was able to learn, life lessons and leadership lessons uh, through these people. Uh, and we shared prayer requests that you all shared a couple weeks ago around uh, the need for a new heart. And, and the fact that we need a new heart uh, is independent of uh, economic status in any way. Uh, the things that we shared and brought to them and translated for them and then the prayer requests that they sent back. We have hopes and dreams for our kids and for ourselves and for our families and for our communities. And so just a really powerful trip, and we hope that you'll get to hear more soon. So uh, let me, Let's pray for Eric and for what God's doing uh, through Agros. So would you join me? Uh, God, we thank you for what you've done uh, through Eric or in Eric through this trip. Uh, I'm sure his eyes have seen things he never thought he'd see. Uh, Lord, we pray that as the weeks come along, as he unpacks this and processes it with uh, with his wife and with his friends, Lord, we pray that you would uh, bring some wisdom and insight there, that you would constantly be teaching Eric uh, what he needs to learn from this trip. Uh, Lord, we pray for uh, wisdom as we discern how best Bethany partners with, with Agros. Uh, I pray that you would guide our steps, that you would uh, just bring us uh, your mind as we think through this. We pray for this family as as she works uh, and then goes to school just on Thursdays, Lord, we pray that you would uh, bring her the peace, bring them strength. We pray for her father with the alcoholism. Pray that your presence would be there. We thank you for what you're doing. Be with us, be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, man. Hi. Uh, so a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, uh, my, my wife and I, decided that we wanted to try this hiking bit. We've been here for three years. Uh, we're not much of outdoorsy type people, uh, but we were given an REI gift card. And why not, right? And so I went and bought one of those backpacks that hold my son, who at that time was nine months old. And, and I thought, yeah, hey, that'd be kind of fun. I could strap him on the back and walk around. It'd be, it'd be great. He loved it because he gets to pull my ears and he laughs and he hits me with his cup. He has a good time. And so I, I let my friends know what we bought. I, I texted and I said, hey, we bought this uh, hiking backpack that we could take Judah out in. And he texted back, you don't hike. 
Yes, I know. Uh, but he's outdoorsy. They like to go out and backpack and get away from everything for weeks at a time. And so he said, well, my wife and I will take you out on a hike. And I swallowed and went, okay. I'm from California, Southern California. We don't have much wilderness. And so we were excited about this. We said, this will be awesome. We get to finally experience the beauty we live around. And so we did this and we went out. They said we were going to go find a lake. And for me, a hike, now this is me, there's plenty of you who love hiking, and that's great, I love that you do. Uh, they said, we're going to go hike to a lake, and for me, a hike is just a long walk with a pretty view in the middle, and, and then you walk back. And so we're on our way to the long walk, and we get to the trail, and what we find is that because of the late season rains, I don't know why, this is what was explained to me, uh, the path had, hadn't been cleared yet. There was, it was just overgrown. There was fallen trees from lightning and wind, and it was, it was a rough path to see. But my friends were experienced. They said, that's cool. We know where the trail is. All right. And so we go. We pack our lunch in the backpack. Whenever I, I realize this, whenever I have that backpack on, I carry everything and Carrie carries nothing. My, my wife's name is Carrie. She, I just, I'm the pack mule, Sherpa. And so we walk. And we're walking, and this path gets less and less and less visible. And my friends are like, it's cool. We know where we're going. We're going to keep walking. And they keep walking. And then pretty soon, there's a big tree that's fallen over in the middle of the path. And I can't even see this trail. But no, no, it's fine. We know where we're going. And soon, I can't even see my feet. And I don't know where we're going. And all I can think of is... Uh, the news story later that night, local pastor, nine-month-old son, wife, lost in the forest, <laughs> film at 11. And, and I think in this, and my friends, it goes from, we know where we're going to, I think this is right. Yeah, that tree looks familiar. And I'm like, what? That tree looks just like that tree. How, how do you do this? How do you know it's familiar? And we get to the top of the hill and they go, I guess it was a mountain, I don't know. We get to the top of whatever we were walking and it sa they said, I don't think we know where we are. <laughs> this hiking by feeling didn't really feel too good. And so we worked our way back and we kept going and, and the, 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 the words came out, I think this is the right path. And I heard them and I was a couple feet behind them. I'm like, what? You think? I realized something there. I had a great trust in my friends, and they got us back to the car, and we were fine. And, and it would have been different if I didn't trust my friends who were hiking, uh, who were leading us. That was the first thing. I trusted what they were saying. And the second thing is I enjoy knowing where I'm going. I like to know there's clarity. I like to know what to expect. When we watch reality shows or when I sit in the same room and my wife watches reality shows, I, I like to Google the results so I can fall asleep sooner in front of the television. And, and so I, I like to know what to expect. I also hold it over her head by saying, I know who wins. Uh, but I like to know what to expect. Suspense in me is not really good. I, I get too into it and I stress out. In the Beatitudes, we have Jesus. He's walking along the path, and in Matthew 4, he's telling people about the kingdom of God, and people are starting to ask, what is this kingdom all about? We see dead people being raised. We see people being healed. That guy didn't walk yesterday. Now he's walking today. This one was blind, and now he sees. What is this kingdom of God you're talking about, Jesus? And how do we be a part of it? 
So in Matthew 5, Jesus sits down on, on the mount. He's about to deliver his sermon on the mount. And he starts telling people what this kingdom of God looks like. He's giving them what to expect. He's telling them announcements. And that's key that we hold on to that. These are announcements. These aren't brand new laws that you have to do this and do this and do this. He's telling them what it is. The kingdom is for those who are poor in spirit, those who are furthest from God, those who feel like they can't do any good. The kingdom is theirs. The kingdom is for those who are mocking or mourning, not mocking. Kingdom is for those who are broken to pieces because of what is going on in their lives and around them in the world. That God will be on their side and they'll be comforted. And he goes through these lists. The kingdom is for the meek, those who feel like they've been trampled on and left out to dry. The kingdom is for those people too. God is with them. That's what the word blessed means. It's not happy. It's not a hashtag. It's blessed. God is with you. He's by your side, as one commentator says. And then he's telling people what to expect. This is what God has done for you. Now you've done this. This is how you will live. And then he gets to the last one, the eighth one. And he says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Because when you live like the first seven, you're going to encounter resistance and rejection along the way. The first four commandments tell us what God has done for us. And when we experience those first four beatitudes, when we experience those first four, it changes how we act to other people. And then when we act accordingly, when we act like we've received mercy, when we act like what we have been, like God's reached us when we were poor in spirit, when we act in those ways because God expects us to act like we've been treated you're going to experience persecution. It's going to hit you. You're going to have resistance. You're going to have rejection. But Jesus is telling us this so that we might continue on that path he's taking on with greater courage and discernment. He's telling us what we can expect when we follow him. When our kingdoms are invaded with his kingdom, when we allow him to reign and rule in our life, this is what can happen to you. And so he says the first thing it comes to, when you're persecuted because of righteousness. When I hear about persecution, when I read this, my thoughts instantly go to those people way over there on the other side of the world. I think of those who are smuggling Bibles into China and then getting locked up in prison, those who are leading Bible studies in Iran, those who are taking the gospel to various places of Indonesia where they have to hide and where they're being killed. I think of those people. I think of some of my friends who are missionaries in various parts of the world who have to leave in the middle of the night because they caught wind someone's on their way to get them. I think of persecution, I think of resistance, and I think of those people. And so when I read this blessing that God is with those who are persecuted, I don't think of me. I haven't experienced persecution like that. I get more persecution for being a 49er fan than I do for being a Christian in Seattle. I don't think of myself 
And therein lies this problem. We think, when we think that way, we think that this blessing, that this nearness of God is only for those people who do those amazing things in those parts of the world where they are being killed for it. And we think God is only with those heroic individuals. God is only next to or on the side of those people. And we say, this one, this one's not for me. But when we think this way, when we think that God is only for the good, God is only for the heroic, God is only for the brave, what we end up doing is making this last beatitude a command. And it's not a command. This is an announcement. He's saying when you feel like the world is against you because you are following me, because of righteousness, I'm by your side. Righteousness has its roots back into this idea of shalom, when everything is made right again, when God's intent is done on earth. Jesus prays this way in Matthew. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. That means that sometimes God's will is not freely done on earth, and in heaven it is always done. And when we hunger for righteousness, we're wanting that chasm between what God wants and what God gets to be closed and that God's will will happen all the time. When we hunger for righteousness, we want the broken chasms in our society to be filled. And when you're persecuted because of that ache or when you experience rejection because you want things to be whole again, Jesus is saying, I'm on your side when you're feeling that resistance and when you're feeling that rejection. Here's what I've found. When you step into conversations and you don't pick a side. Remember last week it was blessed are the peacemakers. And what we found is you can't pick a side on things because God loves both sides. When you step into that third way, you're instantly going to feel it on both sides. So, when we say we stand up for the life of the refugee, instantly you're told, well, you don't care about security or you don't care about safety of our neighborhoods. When I get a knock on my door and for some reason my door attracts everybody to come knock on. When I get a knock on my door and I'm asked to sign a, a, a petition for abortion and I say that I'm pro-life, I'm instantly told that I don't care about health care. If when the church steps into, as it did a decade and a half ago, into the HIV AIDS crisis, when we stepped in because we've been silent for far too long, and when certain church leaders stepped into that conversation, they were instantly pushed back against because this has no place for the church is what people said. You're peddling a social gospel. When we stand up for righteousness and not pick a side, because life is always life, whether it's the refugee or the unborn, when we, pick, when we don't pick a side and we say we're on God's side, we're instantly not on both sides. And we face rejection and we face resistance. When a church has uh, something to say about the systemic racism that plagues our society, and we step into that conversation, the critique will always be, 
Why are you making this an issue? Justice is not an issue, my friends. Justice is part of the gospel. We're not making it an issue. We're actually living this out. But do you see the third, what the danger, the third way thinking can get you in? And Jesus is telling us, when you step into this, this is what to expect on this path when it gets overgrown and complicated. When you step in to this way of thinking, because God has shown you mercy, because God has reached out to you when you were on the farthest end from him, because God has done this to you, and when you step out in response and seeking righteousness in all of these places, you will encounter resistance. And when you do, you're blessed. Not because you picked the right fight, not because you were a jerk and got into an argument, but simply because you're pursuing his way, you are blessed. God is on your side. We see Jesus doing this in Luke. He heals somebody on the Sabbath day. And they come to him and they say, what are you doing healing somebody on the Sabbath day? And Jesus' response is, when is it right to do wrong? It's a rhetorical question. It's never. We see it again in Peter when he goes and visits Cornelius in Acts 11. He goes, visits Cornelius, and then instantly, or in Acts 10, in Acts 11, he's, he's brought before his council, and they're like, bro, what are you doing? That's them. What are you, why are you going to see them? He's a Gentile. And Peter's like, God told me to. It was a vision. He told me to eat bacon. It was delicious. <laughs> but we see Peter taking the third way and it automatically he gets pegged. There's resistance. Paul takes the gospel to the Gentiles. He goes to all of these different places. He's called back to Jerusalem, and they're like, what are you doing? He's in Philippi. He casts out a demon of a woman who's been pestering him. And he said, why are you, why are you doing this? He starts a riot. When you pursue righteousness, Jesus says you're blessed. And not only are you blessed, he says the kingdom of God is is yours. When you go back and you read the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He starts with theirs is the kingdom of God. And then he continues and he gets to those people who are persecuted, who feel resisted and rejected. And theirs also is the kingdom of God. There's a reason why he starts and ends in the same place. It's not just how to form a speech so he brings back his intro. He's doing something here. Because when you live this way, when you're always told that you're doing it wrong, when you're, when you're pushed back, when you're resisted, you're going to get tired. You're going to end up feeling like you're poor in spirit. When you're asking yourselves the question, am I seriously going to try and do the right thing because everybody around me keeps doing the wrong thing? When you ask yourself, Am I really supposed to forgive this person? All my friends are going this way, but God is telling me to go this way. All my friends are picking sides, but Jesus loves both sides. And you start living into this, you're going to end up back feeling poor in spirit. You're going to feel empty. And it's important to realize that in that place, yours is still the kingdom of God, because in that place, you're still blessed. Jesus says, I'm on your side in those places. 
But there's more to this. Jesus says he's on your side when you're feeling tired, when you've constantly been pushed back, when you feel like you constantly have to take a side. Jesus is with you in that place. But then he goes into more detail in verse 11. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. In verse 10, we, we experience resistance and rejection because of righteousness. In verse 11, Jesus doubles down on this. He goes into more detail. He goes into what people are actually going to do. So he's getting really specific with what's going to happen to us. And then he changes the end. He says, this is because of me. When you follow me, Jesus says, some difficult things are coming your way. When you try to do right, even though no one else is, you're going, it's going to hurt a little bit. There's going to be some wounds. Here's what he means by persecute. Persecute also means this, to pursue or to prosecute. Like someone has it out for you. There's an, like there's an issue and they just won't drop it. Every time you turn around, this person is on your case and they're there day after day after day and you're asking yourself, what is their problem with me? I can't do anything right with these people. Then he says, blessed are you when you are insulted. To insult means to reproach, to defame, to defame, to disparage, to assail with abusive words. In text message, it would be all caps with an angry face emoji. This is what it means to insult you. Then there's the word evil. It has the same idea of persecute, only a little bit more. It means labor and pain. Evil, that, it's an evil that corrupts other people. It's not just that someone is pursuing you or someone has an issue with you. It's that this person begins to spread the rumors about you. And so you can't even talk to a perfect stranger without being put in this kind of box. This is what Jesus is telling us to expect, to lie here. Or it says the word false means to cheat or defraud. When people are making things, up, uh, making things up out of thin air and then they attribute it to you, not merely in the sense that your statements are false, but they're, they're making stories up about who you are, about what you stand for. They've questioned and judged every single piece of your motive and they never really understand your heart. This word carries with it this idea of prejudice that believes that there's nothing too evil about you to believe. When people look at you, it's through a filter that you will always fit into this box. If you're a Christian, that means you vote this way, you believe this about that issue, and they keep throwing you into this box and it doesn't fit. And no matter what you do, they will make up all sorts of lies about you in order to throw you into this box. And Jesus says, when it gets hard like this, when people are trolling you constantly because of me, in that place, you're blessed. When it's because of him, you're blessed. It's easy for us to carry our own cause and make it more about us than it is about him. But Jesus says, when it's about me, in that place, you're blessed. At the moment when we think blessing is the last thing that can come our way, you're blessed. He doesn't tell us here that we need to stay strong. He doesn't tell us that we need to grip a little tighter. He doesn't tell us to buck up and try harder, tie our shoes and get out. He says right there where you feel like you're most broken, 
when you can't get anything right said about you, the announcement is in that place, God is by your side. When you feel like blessing is the last thing that will ever come to you. This is the announcement that Jesus is telling us. He says, I'll meet you there because it isn't about you. It's about him. It's about Jesus. It's about me, he says. And in that place, he doesn't come at us with law. He doesn't come at us with four new points on how we endure persecution. He says in that place, I'm by your side. I'm next to you. You're blessed. This whole section of scripture are not commands. They're not seven ways or eight ways to experience the kingdom. Again, they're announcements. They're saying the kingdom of God is like this. Never do we really see a commandment for commandment's sake. Even the Ten Commandments begin with blessing. The Ten Commandments begin in Exodus 20. It says, And God spoke these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That's how the Ten Commandments begin. A blessing. This is what God has done for you. And these ones follow suit. Before we get to any commands, there's a blessing. And it's the same here. When you feel like you're covered in shame because you were supposed to be bigger than you were, you were supposed to rise above in a situation and you didn't, you're met with a blessing. When you fail and everything within you tells you that you shouldn't have done it that way, you're met here with a blessing. God is with you. God is on your side. When you said that thing that you swore you wouldn't say again, when you clicked on that link that you said you'd never click on again, when you listened to that and you said you'd never listen, in that place, we tend to go the other way and say, we are awful, we are terrible, and we believe what people have said about us. But Jesus comes to us, not with more law, he comes to us with a blessing. He begins here. When we are going back on the cycle and we find ourselves back into feeling poor in spirit because all we've experienced is resistance and rejection, when you're back at that place, you're blessed. Always you're blessed. And then he ends in this section with you step into a larger part of history. You're not alone in this because when you've been resisted, when you've been rejected, the first thing we always feel is, does anyone feel the same way I do? Is there any, am I all alone in feeling this? And Jesus reminds us, no, you're not. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way They persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice and be glad. Right. (laughs) Like that's going to happen. I'm being told I'm scum and you're telling me to be happy about this? And then he says, because great is your reward in heaven, in God's space, in heaven, where God's will is done freely and always and at all times without any resistance, your reward is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you, you step into a long line of people who have experienced this same sort of thing. Jesus ends this section with rejoice and celebrate. Be happy, be glad. When it gets tough, rejoice. When it gets hard, 
be glad. The word for glad uh, is the word aligeo in its Greek. So it means one, com- one commentator says this, it means to, to leap much. When it gets really hard, realize you're not alone. So leap much. When the world feels like it's against you, rejoice and jump for joy. When it feels like you've done the right thing and you're getting punished for doing the right thing, rejoice, jump for joy. In those moments, leap much. Why? Because you're not alone. Not only are you blessed, which is God's physical presence near you, you're not alone. You step into a long line of people. In Acts 7, Stephen is being pers- Stephen's being stoned to death. And he, he realizes what's happening. And he realizes the line of people that he is stepping into. And he begins to acknowledge this. He says, Abraham. And he says, I'm in the same line as Abraham when you're doing this to me. Abraham was forced to leave his own people to worship God. He lost his inheritance. He experienced rejection from his family. Joseph. He steps in the same line as Joseph. Joseph in Genesis uh, is sold out for slavery because his brothers are jealous of him. David, he steps in the same line as David who was anointed to be the king and then instantly put on the most wanted list and had to run for his life. Moses steps in for righteousness sake to stop a fight where someone is being hurt and instantly he's sent into exile the very next day. It continues, Elijah has a showdown with the prophets of Baal. He says, dump seven things of water on there, dig a hole, fill it with water. My God is bigger. And then when God shows up and God wins, he's the one that has to run for his life. Daniel is told not to pray. He goes into his closet and he, he prays in the open where he's always been told, where he's always prayed. And then he's thrown into a lion's den. Another time with Daniel, he and his friends refuse to worship the king's idol, and they're thrown into a fire. And in that fire, they lived. But there was an extra person in that fire. Jesus was with them, and he'll be with you, because that's the promise. When we start to live out this kingdom of God in our own lives, we're going to be resisted, we're going to be rejected, but the clear path that Jesus gives us here is I'm going to be with you in all of those steps, even when you can't see the trail. We think that we're going to attain other things when we follow Jesus. We think that we'll get this, this, and this, and this. Everything will be fine. Jesus, here in the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, says the goal of following him is simply him. The goal of following Jesus is always and will always be Jesus. It'll always be his presence and he will always be with you. He's the goal and we should expect nothing less because we can trust this guide We think that these are commandments. The only commandment that we come to is at the very end. He says, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what it, who's it for? The only command that we come across in these eight Beatitudes is rejoice and be glad. Be full of joy and jump often. 
because the kingdom of God is within you. It's here, it's now, and when you live this way, you're going to experience the rejection. But in that, when it feels like God's presence have left you, has left you, you're still blessed. The kingdom of God sometimes appears like it's not with us. We can be all excited and fill out all of these cards that the kingdom of God is here. And then the next day we go, where did it go? It's the pain that, it's the tension that we live in, the pain that we deal with. It's now, it's clear, it's present, and then it's not yet. There's still a lot of work to be done. We have amazing conversations we see God moving in mighty ways. Maybe someone's been healed. Maybe a, a, an incredible answer, or answer of prayer has come. And then the next day we get news that somebody lost their battle with a disease or something else tragic has happened. We taste both now and we experience the pain of not yet. But in the middle of all of those tensions, Jesus says, in the middle of that resistance, I'm with you. In the middle of the pain, because people have rejected you, I'm with you. The goal of following Jesus is always more Jesus. That's what we get when we follow him. And so when the trail, like my trail that I walked on last July, gets muddied and gets covered with pine trees and fallen trees and washed out. We don't know where to go. You're not alone. He's with you. And he'll always be with you. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your presence. And Lord, we ask that you would please meet us here today. I, I think of those in this room who are experiencing the loss, who are experiencing the loss uh, and they needed a filling of this joy you talk about. God, I think of those people in this room where it's gotten hard to follow you, where people keep saying all sorts of lies and evil things around them. Lord, I pray that you would fill them with this unexplainable joy that causes them to leap much. Lord, when we can't get away from the rumors, when we can't get away from being forced to choose sides, Lord, may your presence be with us then. Lord, may we constantly remember that you reach us when we are at our poorest, when we are at our most deprived, when we were furthest from you, you call us blessed. And God, and we, when we follow your leading, when we follow your teaching, when we start to step into the things that are your kingdom and we end up feeling more depraved and more for far from you, Lord, may we remember that we are blessed there too. And to rejoice and be glad. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You have the cards in your bulletin. As Nick and the band play these closing songs, it's I can see it. Maybe you fill out a place where you have felt resisted and rejected and you can still see God's presence in you. You can still see God's presence around you or you can still see God working with you. As we respond uh, and you feel comfortable, you may come and, and put them in the baskets and we'll put them on the walls. Thanks.